are listening to the sermon podcast from Real Life on the Palouse, reaching the world for Jesus one person at a time. This week we're wrapping up our culture shock series. I kind of heard like the "Hey, this was a great series," and we're like, eh. like, and I would like to say I kind of feel the same way. I'm like, eh. like not that it wasn't great, not that the information wasn't great, but I was super convicted. And I don't know if you've gathered this by the way that uh, God's molded me to preach or teach, but I experienced the message, and then bring it out. And that's what I ask God. I'm like, God, help me experience this. How can I, show me where I lie. Show me where I've bared false witness. Show me, uh, you know, show me all of these different pieces. And so as we go through it, I'm pretty excited to not be, uh, to, to be going through the Ten Commandments. But you know what? I could just keep going through these over and over and over and over again for my whole entire life and never need to look at anything else because these, this encompasses, there's so much. I already know more about the text than I'll ever be able to do. And so learning in the Ten Commandments has been uh, great for me. Uh, the, the depth of it has been fun for me as well. And remember where we started. But before I go to that, I want to tell you where we're going. Uh, the next three weeks, we're going to uh, start a three-week series called Unstuck. And we're going to talk about how to get unstuck. And we're going to talk about it in three facets uh, from survival to success to significance. And being unstuck in your relationships, where some of you may be in here in a relationship that's just about survival, and you're just surviving this relationship. Some of you may be in a point in your uh, relationships where you're like, we are having a pretty successful relationship. And some of you may be at a point in your uh, relationship where it's a matter of significance with others. You have a relationship of significance in how you speak and who hears you, your influence, all of those things. And so we're going to talk about that from a relationship standpoint, from a financial standpoint, from a church standpoint. How can this, is this, where's, where's our church at? Are we surviving? Are we successful? Are we being significant? And where, where are you at in your life? Because really the church is made up of, of us. And so I'm pretty excited about that sermon series. But let's go back. So there's 10 commandments-ish, right? And um, we've talked about these 10 commandments, but I'm, I mean, we only had eight weeks and I knew that ahead of time. So I was like combining some of the commandments together, but we skipped something. We skipped some. If anybody's paying attention, you're going to be like, you skipped some things. And so uh, that's Marty's fault. Uh, because Marty had something awesome to teach us that we all really enjoyed uh, when he was here, but he did not teach on stealing and adultery like he was supposed to. I was giving him the easy ones. Uh, no, no, Marty and I talked about it, and I'm really proud of what he shared up here and how awesome that was, and we'll catch a little bit of the stealing and adultery today uh, in our last commandment. But the other one is Sabbath, and I've got great news for you. Our sermon club team has been working on a Sabbath series. And so in 2021, we're going to have four or five weeks on Sabbath. We are going to dissect that. We are going to dive in deep to what does it look like to Sabbath and how well are we doing that and what does it mean for us today? So I kind of, we teased it a little bit, but that's why uh, we didn't hit all of them in a row. So this week, um, we're talking about uh, coveting. And this is the, the 10th commandment. So it's the last one as, as God is talking about that. So let's look at it, Exodus 20, 17. It says, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. So what does it mean to covet? 
And as I look at these things, I'm like, well, what does it mean to, like, what is not coveting? Like, is wanting to improve my standing in society to have a better house, to have a better car, to have a better uh, life, to, ha- to have more uh, uh, financial resources? Is that coveting? Am I coveting something? And I would submit to you, no, you're not coveting to want to improve your education, improve your status in life, uh, improve where you're going, and improve your knowledge in the text. Man, I wish I knew everything that Marty knew. knew. I'm coveting what he knows. No, that's not, that's not coveting. You can be inspired by other people uh, to want to wanna, to wanna do things that are great for the kingdom. Like we love it. I love it when people are successful with their finances, but they have a kingdom mindset. I love it when people are successful with how their heart leads them to volunteer, but they have a kingdom mindset. So this is about a kingdom mindset. So uh, coveting isn't just wanting something. It's not, you're not coveting something when you're dreaming because God built you to dream about business and houses and plans and those things. Like, that's not, that's not coveting. You're not unsatisfied. He's put that desire in you. Coveting, say, uh, Hamed, like kind of roll it like a little hawk. Hamed. Hamed, right? Hamed, to desire, to take pleasure in. That's the word that they use for covet. But the deeper, as you dive in deeper in, in, into what it really means to covet, Hamed means to, to want to the point of seeking to take away and own something else or own something that belongs to another person. Now we're kind of getting there, right? So this is, this is, this is, I want your position, so I'm going to help you not look as good in front of the boss. What did you just do? You maybe gave a false testimony or a false witness. You just violated a commandment that was sitting right in front there by, by even speaking the truth about your boss, even though it put him in a negative light. But it's the truth. Because you're coveting that position. You want what they have. So they have to lose in order for you to gain. That's coveting. So as I went through this, uh, preparing for this a couple weeks ago and this week, I was like, Lord, reveal to me. Reveal to me what I'm coveting. One of the things that I covet is time. And that's good. I should be like you to hope that I am a good user of my time as the lead servant of the church. But one of the things I covet is time. I covet it so much that on my way to my daughter's volleyball game in Sandpoint this week, this person in front of me was costing me time. I covet it so much that I started making assumptions about this person's intelligence based on how they were driving in front of me. Just in case you're curious, you don't do 50 in the passing lane. (laughs) For like two miles, not that I marked it. I'm like, is this person like intentionally trying to steal my time? I covet my time. I want to get in front of her so I can get stopped at the construction and then she could be behind me. I don't know if it was a her. I don't know why that's, you know, probably it was a dude. I don't know. But I covet my time so much that I make judgments about other people. And that's, that's sinful. To make judgments about somebody's intelligence because I think that they do or don't know how to drive. I covet my place in line. 
You want to be in the front. I want to be in the front. I want to be close. Has he ever coveted somebody's seat at a, at a football game? We used to have these things called football games. They're pretty cool. And like, you're like, man, I wish I was at the 50-yard line and your nose is bleeding because you're at the top. I want their seat. As soon as they leave, I'm taking it. So I, I covet time for sure. I covet my reputation and status. We asked that question, like, how does that make me look? Ever been mad at your kids for their poor sports performance because it reflects poorly on you? That's the worst ever. Uh, your son strikes out. You're like, oh, you know how that makes me look. No, nobody cares how it makes you look. You look like an idiot right now as a dad for being angry that your son struck out. I've, I've represented that quite a few times. But I covet my reputation. What do you guys think of me? What does the world think of me? Am I as good or not as good or those type of things? And it can lead you to, to bad spots. But the big thing for me, this, uh, what the Lord showed me uh, of where I covet is I have this truck. And I really like my truck a lot. So much I've told my wife to bury it and bury me in it. It's not anything fancy or brand new. It's nice. It's 2014 Ford F-150 gray FX. Five liter V8, not the 3.5 liter. No, no, never mind. Never mind. Never mind. It sounds better than those other ones because it's just better. So I'm like, I have a, and anyway, so I have this truck that I covet. It's going out to look at our house. There was a little windstorm, a little wind happened a, couple, a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, something like that. And where we're building, if there's a little wind here, it's fairly close to Hurricane where we're building. And so I went out there to check on things because I've been warned. I was warned by the folks that sold me the lot. They're like, it's windy. I'm like, no, I get it. And they're like, no, you don't understand. Let me show you pictures of snow like blown up four feet up onto our windows. I was like, oh, that's, that is wind. So I go out there to check on my lot because that's what I do. Check on what's going on. And guess what's tipped over? The outhouse that I'm renting. The porta potties tipped over by this wind. So I go out there and I see that. And I made a mistake, a strategic mistake. I had the tail of my truck facing the, uh, the, the west. And I went to Open Precious. I don't know if I, that's the name of my truck, but I might call it that. I went to Open Precious with the door, and the door and me got ripped out. And it tweaked my door. Now, if I were to tell this story like a fishing story, it's like, it wrapped it around the front of my car, and my door is like broken into pieces. But like, it's got two little dents in it. But that was enough for me. I was like, and I'm mad at the outhouses blown over, and I'm mad that my door got tweaked of my precious car that I covet. Really? A car, Josh, senior pastor, Josh Gray, great job, buddy. So the Lord's given me different ideas about what I covet. And as I think about this commandment, what is different about this commandment than everything that, we were, that we've been learning about so far? If you murder someone, that's kind of a physical, like, out there act that could, you could really be caught for. If you're stealing, that's a physical act, like, you could be convicted of stealing and people, you know, you can see that, right? Adultery, and you're, if you're, if you're uh, having adultery, you're, you're having sex with somebody else that's married and that's not your spouse, like, you can be caught for that and it's a bad deal, right? Fornication is a whole other deal. We don't need to talk about that, but adultery, right? And then we talked about lying and people getting caught in lies. Is there anybody politically trying to get caught in lies right now? Like, oh, well, this is coming. Let me tell you about this. This is Russia. And this is like, like we can be caught in our lies. But when God says, don't covet, it feels to me like that's 
the commandment that's right between my brain, my, this is my brain area right here. It's actually like right here, no, uh, right here. Like it's an internal thing. And what happens is it manifests itself in commandments six, seven, eight, and nine. So I want you to think about this verse again. When we think about what covet means, it means to, to want to the point of seeking to take away and own something that belongs to another person. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You should, and why doesn't he just stop? Why doesn't God just stop? No, he has to give you the full list of things not to covet, and he covers up all of it. You shouldn't cover your neighbor's wife or his male or female servants, his uh, ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Well, if my wife just did that, then I would be happy. We see it modeled in the text in a horrible way. The first story that came to mind to me when I thought about coveting and how it leads to these other commandments that, that it causes us to break uh, I started thinking about uh, David and Bathsheba. So we think about the covenants, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Well, let's walk through David and Bathsheba. Where did that start? What was David doing? Well, he wasn't with his men leading in battle. And he's at his palace, and he's looking over his kingdom, and he sees something that he likes with his eyes. He sees it in his mind. It started with a thought. It started with a thought. And that thought led to adultery. He had sex with Bathsheba, Uriah's wife. Which created a child, which led to lies. Let me bring Uriah back and get him drunk and make sure it led to lies. And when that didn't work, it led to murder. I wonder why God bookends his commandments with you shouldn't covet. It's a commandment about our hearts. Where does this violation of these commandments take root in our lives starts in your mind starts in your heart and then it's going to start to overflow out of your heart how about Cain and Abel Cain is envious that God liked Abel's offering better leads to murder As I was reading through the text, I was, man, this is a problem. Josh, this is a problem for me. This is a problem for our community. This is a problem for our country. We're kind of marketed to covet. Like, do you have enough? I'm not sure if you have enough. Do you have this, the iPhone 12 Pro? Do you understand what that camera can do that your iPhone 11 camera can't do? I do not. Tell me. No, I'm just kidding. But it just it came out. It's, it's so hot to try. It's so awesome. Someday you'll be, you'll be more than when you have that. And all of the things that we get marketed to, like it's, we didn't even, I don't even think I realize it. I mean, man, I didn't know I didn't have enough. 
And you poor ladies, like you're enough. Like God thinks you're pretty awesome. But you're marketed too of like beauty. You know, man, if you could just look like that person, then you would get what you needed and what you wanted and somebody would take care of you and really love you well. That's a lie. You're enough. And gentlemen, the chase, the chase at the cost of what? Remember the saying, he who, he who dies with the most toys still dies, but he had fun doing it. Right? But don't you get trapped in that and you miss, you miss it? You miss it with your family? So as I was going through the text, I got to James, uh, James 4. Submit yourself to, God's, and he's, uh, to God. He says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. I kill reputations. I kill time. I kill money. I kill relationships. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and you fight. You do not have because you do not ask God, and when you ask God, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. It's all running back to the desire. So, great, Josh, thanks. Thanks so much. Tell me something I didn't know that I'm marketed to and that I'm told that I'm not enough and that I'm told that I'll be better if I own this product or have this or do this. What is the antidote to coveting? What is the antidote to coveting? How can you, like, if this is one of the Ten Commandments. This is a big one. This is one of the big ones. So I don't want to violate the Ten Commandments. How do I not do this? The antidote for coveting is contentment. Cool. You said a word. How do you get contentment? You get contentment through gratitude and through thanksgiving. You put all of those thoughts in your mind. So right now we're sitting in a fairly warmish sanctuary in some fairly comfortable chairs. Are you folks at home or sitting in your home? You're watching this service live on this thing called the internet and it's just shooting beautiful me all through the internet waves. You're very comfortable probably in your home. It's uh, allegedly 27 degrees according to my watch outside. I'm pretty content. I'm pretty happy. I'm pretty grateful that we're not doing this worship service outside. And do you realize that around the world today right now, People are worshiping God, singing, crying out to him. Somebody's teaching a message in another language, and they're probably not in as cool of a setting as we are. So it starts by being grateful from the very first thing that you do when you wake up. When you, your feet hit the floor, do you say, oh, Nikes? My day has started. I'm late. I'm this. I'm that. And you just start running down the task list of life. Or do your feet hit the floor and you're like, praise Jesus, thank you, Lord, for letting me live another day in your kingdom. 
and you walk out and maybe your wife's sitting out there if she gets up earlier than you and she has a cup of coffee and she's like, hey, I got you a cup of coffee. And you're like, man, I feel, I feel cared, cared for and loved. Or maybe, ladies, you walk out and you see your husband and he's reading God's word. And you're like, I'm super thankful for that. I got a husband who wants to submit and be molded and changed. This is, this is, this is things I want to be. My wife doesn't catch me doing that. Though. I'm not trying. <laughs> she's, like, she's like, yeah, that would be nice. Amen, brother. No. <laughs> she gets up earlier than I do. She's usually working out. And I, get, I, walk out, I come out there and watch her work out. Very proud of her. Um, but it starts by like, you just start filling the space. So there's a battle for the space of enough. You have enough. You don't have enough. And you're thankful and you're grateful and you have gratitude. And what are you putting in your brain during that time frame? Can you just stuff yourself with so much thankfulness and gratitude that you would have less time to covet? You wouldn't see that. So the antidote for coveting is contentment. And you get contentment through gratitude and thanksgiving. And that gratitude and thanksgiving comes through God's word. It comes through prayer. It comes through worship. Like, what were all the things you guys were coveting when we were singing? I wasn't coveting anything except for other people's voices, but whatever. I sounded good. No, I was, I was pretty enthralled with what we were saying about the Lord and I believed it. I wanted to come to the altar. I wanted to fall into a father's arms who are wide open, who understands my sinful nature, who forgives me and loves me and wants to give me, just do these 10 things, Josh. Try doing those two th- 10 things. You're going to have a great life and you're going to represent us well. So I believed it. First Timothy, this is not in your notes, but go ahead. This is bonus stuff. First Timothy 6, 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world and we could take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. As long as it's the right kind of clothing. As long as I got my Air Force Ones on that that are white and that aren't creased. You guys have kids like this? They get the Air Force Ones. You know what those are? Those Nike shoes, right? And they walk with them and they don't crease them. No, any shoes, right? Any clothes. And as I kept uh, researching, I think I ran into uh, Philippians and Paul and his final discussion in Philippians. And he was teaching all the things that I wanted to teach today. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. Here's what I'm challenging this church to do for the next 10 days. I don't know if there's something happening in the 10-ish days. I'm challenging you to do this for the next 10 days. Everybody write this down if you're writing any notes. Philippians 4. I challenge you to get up every morning 
and read Philippians 4 as we possibly enter into a tumultuous time that maybe somebody in here could be anxious about. And then he says in verse 8, he says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. One more time. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, not me, but Paul, or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced greatly in the, in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. And Paul says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need. For I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. We're all going to have circumstances here. We're all in circumstances. How do we learn to be content? I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. (laughs) How do we do this? Okay, Paul, cool. What is the secret? Apparently it was a secret. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things. I can do all of this through him who gives me strength. That's the secret of contentment. Do you trust? Do you trust him? Do you think he's got us? Do you think he has you? So as we get ready to enter this time of communion, I, I want to change this up a little bit. Um, and I want us to just, just sit on this a little bit and I want to kind of walk through directed prayer with us. Father God, we come to you. We come to your table. We come to the altar that you've given us. You gave us your son. Lord, I just, uh, I just ask that you would reveal in my life and all of my brothers and sisters' lives out here, just reveal it to us. Show us, Father. Show us where we covet. Highlight it. Because, Lord, we don't want to covet. We don't want to be separated from you. Let us leave these things before we enter this time of communion. Lord, free us from these chains. Let us know, Lord, that you're enough. You're enough for our marriages, you're enough for our children. You're enough for our finances. You're enough for our country. You're enough for our classes. You're enough for our education. You're enough for the relationships you have for us. Let us just walk in those with you, Lord, because you are enough. I need to covet nothing. I don't need to covet another God. I don't need to covet something else. I trust you. I believe 
that you are enough. And truthfully, Father God, you're more than enough. You're so much more than that. You, you gave your son. You paid all of the price for us to be in a relationship and communion with you, Lord. So the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Lord, we do this because you are enough. We can do all things through you, Christ Jesus. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink of it in remembrance of me. Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We proclaim, Father God, that you are enough. Uh, Lord, I just um, thank you for this time. I thank you for this. uh, I thank you for the, the commandments you've given us, Lord. You love us so much. You love us so much that you, you wanted to tell your kids what's best. I thank you for this text, for the scriptures that have gone through persecution and, and persecution through the years and how we have it so freely here with us, Lord, on our phones and in print. Thanks for, 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 for leaving something for us to let us know that we're enough. So Father God, I just pray that you just root out covetedness in me, in our church body, in our city, in our surrounding areas, in our nation. Lord, let us be a bright and shining light for you. Let us do the things that honor you and bring kingdom crashing to earth. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by visiting liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.